in life winning and losing will both happen but what is never acceptable is quitting when you feel that you're alone in this journey you really are not alone there are countless warriors who have gone through a similar journey like what you are going through today they have felt the immense pain that you are experiencing but in the end they have all healed themselves from cancer some talk about their own journey as you are listening to this right now while some have defeated pain forever but in the end they all have defeated cancer learn from them get inspired from their cancer healing journeys listen to our very own cancer warriors in this show brought to you by zenonkor.io and love heals cancer a cancer healing journey uh, from zenonco.io and love is cancer i am dimple parmar pleasure to meet you again in this call so um, we uh, started this project called cancer healing journey talks where we invite people who have gone through the journey of cancer in some or other ways they are affected by it and to inspire other people because when we work with patients most of the time we hear that um, they need to know they want to know more and more inspiring journeys because it gives them motivation and will to fight with the disease so uh, we have heard of your inspiring journey as well so we thought why not we have a conversation around this and we will share with others and i'm sure that it will help many other patients out there so uh, uh, we'll we'll start with uh, your introduction i would request you to share your introduction and uh, when you were diagnosed uh, how how did you take up the entire uh, trauma of initial diagnosis how did your family navigate with that can you please share this sure hi dimple thank you for uh, inviting me here for this talk and uh, uh, let's begin uh, my name is vandana mahajan and uh, i am a warrior i call myself a cancer warrior um, on the 29th of june it will be 11 years wow. since i was operated treated uh, so it all started it in fact uh, how it began was a very coincidental finding my husband retired from the army he's taken to mature retirement so while he was in service we were posted in a place called binaguri which is like towards the northeast and uh, posted in a cantonment and uh, i was just putting moisturizer on my neck like you know all women like to pamper themselves i was doing that and i felt a huge uh, lump on my neck Uh, and we were you know like in a very remote area there were no big hospitals we went to the army hospital there and they said it's nothing probably quite uh, i was just uh, 35 years of age that time and uh, um so that's how you know that the detection of the lump was that way but everybody said nothing it's on your neck nothing you know don't pay too much heed to it the end doctor said don't worry about it but it just so happened during that time me and my daughter we traveled to delhi mm-hmm. we were in delhi and uh, somebody very close to us who's an anesthesiologist he's a dear friend he said vandana do not take this lightly so we started uh, investigations at fortis even at fortis they were convinced it's nothing so okay. the investigation started and when and uh, when the fnac happened the report said an excision biopsy so that was uh, very scary because um, you know an ex- the name biopsy gives everybody goosebumps yeah so, uh, 
so then uh, my husband came down and we went to we walked into uh, RNR research and referral hospital at Uh, Delhi and the moment the moment we went in, the doctors, the onco surgeon says, we need to get it out immediately. And uh, and Im- I mean immediately, I wasn't even prepared. Nothing had kind of registered that what's happening to me. We went in today, and two days later, he said he was scheduled for the surgery. Yeah. But even at that time, they were very sure that uh, it's going to be a benign lump because thyroid lumps are. So yeah, so this lump was in my thyroid gland. Okay. So generally, mostly the thyroid lumps are benign. Yeah. I was told that uh, don't worry, first surgery done uh, after the first surgery, you'll be absolutely fine. We'll remove half of your thyroid, the left thyroid, and uh, the size of the lump was very big. It was a three point two centimeter big nodule. Hey. Um, actually sat like like a little you know tiny little ball on my on my neck and every time i would touch it it would feel hard rock hard rock hard that hard so yeah my first surgery happened and it was a very eventful surgery during my surgery my vocal cords were accidentally touched and uh, when i regained consciousness i couldn't speak okay i croaked uh, Yeah, so I croaked, and uh, the onco the onco surgeon uh, told my husband, "I don't think your wife is ever going to talk again, because the surgery, thyroid gland, and the vocal cords are very close." Sorry, I heard the last part. The thyroid gland and the vocal cord are close to each other. yeah very close to each other so before the thyroid surgery a patient is generally prepared that there may be a risk of damage to the vocal cords but yeah. it's a very rare uh, risk so when i regained consciousness i was croaking and later i got to know that uh, i have suffered damage to my vocal cords okay. this was my first surgery and <clears throat> and uh, it took me one year to find my voice back like i'm talking to you now i have a permanent uh, residual to permanent voice damage i uh, can't raise the pitch of my voice and if i talk for too long uh, my body tires just like your my i'm sorry my voice gets tired just like your body gets tired my voice gets tired so i can't talk for too long okay. uh, so that's uh, about my first surgery after the surgery uh, the first surgery the thyroid uh, nodule was uh, sent for a rebiopsy and in the rebiopsy it was find, found out it was it was uh, malignant and malignancy not a normal malignancy it was generally most of the thyroid cancers are papillary ones yeah. um, so i had uh, i was diagnosed with follicular carcinoma with with herthel cell ch- uh, changes herthel cell is a very rare kind of a malignancy and it is highly invasive yeah and yes within 5 uh, days of my first surgery i was scheduled for the second surgery because the lump in my thyroid gland the tumor had broken the wall of the thyroid gland so there was um, the doctors had were fearing that it had spread to other parts of the body right. and i was taken in for an, for a 
second surgery to remove the entire uh, thyroid gland. So that's uh, how my thyroid glands were removed. My God. So, so while my thyroid glands were removed, accidentally my parathyroids were also nicked off. And um, again, I am presently um, 1% known cases in the world. There are not many known cases in the world like mine. I live without my parathyroids, which basically means that my body doesn't produce any calcium. So, uh, so if I don't eat my calcium, I'm on a very, very heavy dose of calcium tablets. If I don't eat my calcium today, I'll die tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, how it is. Post my second surgery, when I was recuperating before was to begin, four days into my second surgery, I developed something which is very rare. Very few cases all over the world are known about it. I was in the washroom and uh, my body started stiffening, like rigor mortis happens. Yeah. That, uh, you know, uh, my body started stiffening. So rigor mortis is generally what happens to a dead body. Uh, I got up and I told my husband there's something wrong. He called up the oncosurgeon and the oncosurgeon was terribly scared. He said, get her immediately to the hospital. Things happened. I was rushed into the car. And when I sat in the car, I remember so vividly, my mom handed me a carton of juice. I couldn't close my fingers over it. Okay. And my body gradually started slipping into rigor mortis while my senses were alive. So my uh, entire body stiffened like a dead body. My cheeks went in like that. My eyes opened like that. My tongue stiffened and my mouth was, I was walking like that. I couldn't shut my mouth. Okay. And uh, uh, yes, and I think God wanted me to live. So we reached a traffic signal and my husband actually said, I don't know what to do. And I had gradually started slipping into unconsciousness. And uh, I just indicated that on to the left of the signal, there is a hospital. We went there and... Uh, the doctor said, uh, I was immediately put on IVs. Uh, my heart had stopped and I was brought back. I was told a fraction of a second later, I would have died. Mm -hmm. So that's when we got to know that my body no longer produces any calcium. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, heart is also a muscle. Yeah. So all muscles need calcium. So uh, my condition is such that, uh, yes, um, before anything else, I need to take my calcium pills. Uh, and like I say, I don't really um, complain too much about it. I say God has given me the power to control my life. Yeah. Very few people have that. Very few people wow. have that. I am I'm just amazed hearing your journey. I mean... Uh, I, I heard it long back that you were mentioning about calcium and taking supplements every day. And I was like, yeah, maybe for immunity and uh, other things and, you know, in the body. But, oh my God, you're taking pills to <laughs> survive each day. That's big thing. Yeah. But I take about 15 pills in a day. I uh, take 15 pills in a day. And uh, it's been there for the last 11 years now. And, and as luck would have it... Um, for me, the most important thing in my life is those pills. If I, I actually, people are surprised when I say, Aaj nahi khaungi, tomorrow I will die. 
but that's the reality. If I don't eat my pills today, I won't wake up tomorrow. So that's just my uh, that's just my surgery bit. So after this started my cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. So thyroid cancer uh, is treated in a very different way. In thyroid cancer, um, um, first line of treatment for thyroid cancer is uh, something known as radioablation. Yes. Um, so uh, was, that is a very, very painful procedure. How radioablation is done, I remember when I went in. First of all, it's a, actually thyroid cancer is a very complicated cancer to have because uh, a lot of things, the preparation for treatment involves uh, actually torturing your body. So as my thyroid glands were removed, my body wasn't producing any, any thyroid uh, stim- uh, thyroid hormone. So my TSH shot up to 150. Uh, okay. So uh, people, people with 13, 14 uh, TSH uh, suffer a lot. So my TSH was uh, at 150, which was a prerequisite for any kind of ca- for a, any kind of thyroid cancer scan. Yeah. So a thyroid cancer scan is known as an I-131 scan. Yeah. So for that, I had to be prepped up. And um, the first step was to be totally off thyroid supplements. Right. So post my surgery, no thyroid supplements were given to me. So my TSH gradually shot up. I was told to be totally off salt. I, I couldn't eat white salt at all for yeah. a month. So I had, uh, I couldn't eat anything that's outside. I couldn't eat biscuits. I couldn't eat bread. Um, everything was, had to be homemade and without salt. Yeah. I used kala namak, but that's not the same as um, having white salt. Yeah. And, and uh, the TSH, with the TSH so high in my body, was used to be very sluggish. I couldn't eat even half a chapati. Um, so yeah, so that's how the preparation was done for an I one thirty one scan. Yeah. When I went in, when I went in for a for the scan for the first time, it was a totally. Um, I was actually uh, uh, thrown uh, out of my gear absolutely because with chemo you know what's happening, but with this it is totally different. So when I went in, I was told uh, a radioactive. The capsule will be fed to me, which is a marker dose. Yeah. How it was done was I was taken to a room, a stone walled room. Yeah. A stone, a stone container was uh, there was a stone container which was opened. From that, a tiny little bottle was taken out. The capsule was picked up from with the forceps. It was dropped into my mouth, and the person who gave me the bottle ran away from the room. He said wash it down with a glass of water. Why did he run away? I got to know because that capsule is a radioactive iron capsule. So that uh, is a marker dose to mark any remaining or growing uh, thyroid cancer cells in my body. So I was radioactive. That means I was a, a hazard to everyone. I was told to stay away from anything that moves. So we went back home. Uh, after two days, uh, a I-31 scan was done and it was found that uh, there were some thyroid cancer cells remaining in my body and I had to undergo something known as radioablation. Yeah. 
now what radio ablation is uh, is uh, you are fed a huge dose of radioactive iodine so i went and um, mm-hmm. i was i was made to sit down there was a bottle this big in which there was a liquid and uh, there was a doctor sitting there and there was a pipe attached to the bottle and he gave me instructions vandana drink every drop of that liquid remember not to drop should spill out once that tube you have had the liquid ensure the tube does not touch anything around not even the the slab where it is kept so that thing had um, the liquid was highly radioactive um carb- uh, iodine in it that's the only way to kill th- kill thyroid cancer cells okay i drank that liquid and uh, i was so you know unsettled that um, i by mistake put the tube on the slab there <laughs> and the doctor got so angry at me he scolded me that you have contaminated the entire area and that was the only time when i cried i just i mean something like this happening is is a shock and on top of that when somebody tells you that you've contaminated the entire area i never expected that the treatment would be like this yeah. after that they took me to a room a makeshift room because uh, i research and referral the defense hospital did not have a isolation room um, radio act patients like me have to be isolated from anything that is alive that means i was like the leak at the chernobyl uh, plant i was that highly radioactive i was shut in a room the door was shut from outside i could not meet anyone i had to use a separate loo my clothes had to be washed separately i was admitted in a hospital i did not have any caregiver around me and uh, my food would be brought out brought to the door i there would be a knock on the door the food kept outside people would leave i would open the door pick up my food and get it inside so since i was so highly radioactive that i could uh, we all know what radioactivity does so yeah. that so that three days in the hospital i was admitted on the fourth day i was sent back home uh, and uh, you know the i never knew what radioactivity would be like till i experienced it the radioactive emissions from my body were measured with a with a with a meter right like you know it is done in in nuclear plants that yes i am emitting these this much radioactivity Right. So I was sent back with instructions that um, for the next three days you have to stay away from everyone. Right. So that's how I was radio updated. And uh, post that, for the next six years, the scans continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each time, first was every six months. So the cycle was each time repeated. Um, first for the first two years it was six monthly checkups then it became yearly so every time i had to go in because uh, there is no regular checkup for that i had a thyroid cancer patient has to compulsorily go through a i131 scan okay. so every time a month before the scan 
stop eltroxin, stop thyronom, stop uh, eating salt. Okay. So my TSH, TSH would each time shoot up to 150. And each time I would go there, a radioactive dose would be put in my mouth. I would be isolated. Two days later, the scan would be done. So before my body could recover, yeah. I was ready for the next scan. Because a TSH of 150 is highly. I remember my endocrinologist, uh, I went to him. He saw my reports and he started rubbing his hands like that. He actually said... Oh, how nice it is. TSH of 150 is so toxic for your body that you can go into a shock, but it's so good for your scan. So, oh yeah, uh, this, con- <laughs> so, uh, this continued for, for nearly five, six years. And in between these six years, I because the cancer that I had put, can travel into the bones, follicular yeah. cancer travels to the bones. So twice it was suspected that uh, the cancer's metastasis has happened and it's gone to the bone. So I underwent bone scan, but fortunately it was negative. So yeah, five five years later I was declared uh, in remission. So today I am a low-risk cancer cancer patient. Um, And um, yeah, I I go with the premise that um, if it does come back, I'll deal with it again. So that's uh, uh, my cancer journey. The package deal that came with it was uncontrollable asthma. Yeah. Um, I my bone condition is very poor, so I've suffered two bone fractures. I mean, I my fracture in my leg. So when I walk, I twisted my leg and I broke my leg. So today, the doctor says that I can't afford to take a fall. And Yeah, I heard the part where you said that doctors said that you can't uh, take a fall and you might break your bone. Yeah, yeah, because I've actually just twisted my ankle a little bit and I've suffered fractures. Oh. So though, though when uh, a bone uh, uh, a bone density scan happens, it's absolutely all right. But I live with live without parathyroids and cases like mine are just known 1% cases in the world. So doctors don't have enough documented data uh, on how to treat a patient like me. So uh, a lot of times I'm like a guinea pig. So they all say, oh, we treat you. Because they all want to maybe experiment on me. But I've been fortunate and I've uh, got a very excellent, uh, very experienced the doctor who's treating me now and uh, because of her I've stabilized but uh, yes it has had a lot of fallouts my like I said I've got uncontrollable asthma my bone condition is weak I've developed arrhythmia my heart has irregular beats Um, and uh, I think probably because of the treatment cancer treatment that I went through I've been diagnosed I'm not overweight I've still been diagnosed with varicose and uh, my digestion is extremely poor. I can't manage without, um, the, you know, taking pills for my digestion. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it is. And I have to undergo blood tests every two to three months. Every two to three months. So there are so many pricks that are happening that I've forgotten. Uh, you know, 
and the count of it. Yeah. But yes, that's what my life journey has been like. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like with all these things you just mentioned, it's been it has been going on from last maybe seven eight years. It's it's going to be eleven years now. Eleven years, right? And still today, you are you know uh, there are a couple of things happening. You are taking medicines every day, and then you are have blood tests and many other things going on. So how do you really uh, cope up with all the things which you have been dealing with in last from last eleven years, and still there is a bright smile and that. positivity on your face and you're doing amazing work for cancer patients so how do you do that so uh you know i I've, i've never asked questions simple uh, last year i was suspected to have a blood cancer because once you've been through cancer it can recur in any form any time true any form in any uh, i've underwent a lot of tests but they were uh, they were negative this j- January again, I developed some complications. The doctor suggests um, uh, suspected that there is cancer. Cancer's back, so I went another PET scan this January. Um, but again, I managed to give it a miss. But um, my approach is very very simple. I take it as it comes to me. So in in January, when the, I had to go for my PET scan, um, that morning I went out. Uh, I with my i'm a part of pinkerton so i went out with my pinkerton buddies i shook a leg i danced my leg was in a brace because i twisted my ankle mm-hmm. and i had a lot of fun and i came i was fasting i came back and i went in for a scan so i've undergone nearly about um about 8 to 9 probably 10 scans and each time i have gone in uh, you know for a scan my attitude has been since i know that cancer is has the nature of coming back it may or may not come back but yeah. the probability that it may come back is always there so okay. always go on in with the with the mindset agar wapas aa gaya to fir se lad lenge wow wapas fir se lad lenge very uh, very well said vandana i mean touched by your journey hats off to you a big inspiration to uh, other people as well who are fighting with this every day so let lenge se bhi just before this i was talking to somebody a survivor uh, i would call a uh, conqueror and she said that dimple uh, uh, i'm not sure if i'm allowed to use this word but i have already kicked cancers but so that's <laughs> not- <laughs> yeah amazing amazing so who was your um, are you there you were asking me how do i manage i have never asked questions dimple a lot of people say have you ever said and wondered why me i mean not only cancer why so many other associated issues but i feel that is such a waste of time yeah what's happened by questioning or looking for answers first of all i'm not going to get any answers there yeah. are no answers to this and that is why i never dwell in my past why it happened why did god choose me because i honestly believe uh, that i'm not a bad person mm-hmm. maybe uh, it happened to me because it was destined to happen yeah and uh, there are there are things that you can't change but um, when you encounter them how you uh, manage with those issues is what matters oh very true so that is what my attitude towards life has been and uh, that's how i move forward that uh, what's uh, what's happened there is no answer for it but with what's happened how can i make my life better and be 
and be able to serve others so i feel my cancer has put me on my on my on the path to my calling wow so that's how i feel you found your inner calling and purpose of your life through this experience yeah and uh, and also um, i am working with cancer patients at atta memorial cancer hospital yeah. i'm associated with an ngo called uh, cope with cancer mother trust yeah i've been with them for the last 5 years now yeah. and uh, i am presently uh, working with the lung cancer patients at the palliative stage so i'm a palliative care counselor okay. i uh, it's all voluntary work it's pro bono i take no money for it and uh, till before the lockdown i was at tata nearly four days a week and also i do interactive uh, sessions for breast cancer patients okay. so these are post post op uh, post op breast cancer patients mm-hmm. um in which uh, i talk to them about uh, their their issues the cancer because there are so many myths associated with the disease so many yeah so so i bust those myths i talk it's it's near a two and a half hour module so it's a two and a half hour sessions every week every once a week with cancer, breast cancer patients okay. uh, at tata itself i do that yeah and yes that's where my heart belongs and or even during lockdown yeah uh, my patients because um, i have young patients from the lung uh, from the uh, lung uh, the thoracic department and they've been diagnosed with stage 3 stage 4 cancer and at that stage the lung cancer is practically impossible to cure yeah. so they have limited life spans and uh, i hold their hand and i give them hope because i believe till it's time to go nobody is going to take you away of course how do you help them how do you counsel them i we talk we talk and also probably i've been through the journey and it's not as difficult as they but they relate they relate a lot yeah so and uh, i i i guess and also i connect with them very well so um and especially with the younger patients i feel younger patients have all you know they deserve a chance at life of course so i don't give up on them at all because i firmly believe a lot of it is to do with your willpower yeah can you share any uh, any experience while working with the kids and uh, cancer patients which has touched your heart with you can oh. there are many but please do share i have so many so i'm going to tell you about this 22 year old uh, girl i've been counseling for the last one year and she came to me very reluctantly so generally what happens is at 22 if you're diagnosed with lung cancer stage at such advanced stage you are in denial you don't want to believe it so at tata when the doctor told her go speak to vandana first thing was she refused because uh, we just just her and her father her mother passed away long time back to cancer yeah. so she came to me and we got talking and uh, today after an year she says i'm just like her mother to you know i'm just like her mother wow. so that's the wow. rapport we have and uh, I, i i am just there dimple for them i'm just there to hear them and also probably just by the virtue of the fact that i inter- interact with some tata doctors um 
sometimes they just need a reassurance and maybe sometimes they need immediate advice from the doctors so i you know i act as a bridge and uh, most of the times it's just emotional support because the medicine uh, as we all know chemotherapy radiotherapy radioablation they are all very painful procedures so at that moment they need that bit of reassurance that things will be fine yeah i do that today uh, a month back that young girl she turned 23 now uh, she was she completed her chemo cycles very very difficult cancer she's been as of now touchwood been declared cancer free she just got undergone a pet scan and i'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, things will be well because <laughs> i had uh, because i remember the first time when the doctor sent her to me and i went back to the oncologist he says i asked her and he said one statement don't get emotionally attached to her yeah because uh, they thought she wouldn't but i believe uh, that positivity and hope plays yeah. a huge role in your recovery process of course of course and uh, thank you for sharing this again because you know last few days i've been talking to many conquerors yesterday we had cancer survivor day as well so uh, again you uh, know the a few points which are coming to me uh, again and again which are family support positivity hope courage right lifestyle and then some other things as well so as you rightly said positivity hopeful it's very very much needed so can you please share about your experience when you were going through the journey what all things helped you apart from the, of course your husband's love and support which you had and the um, uh, the right doctors guidance what other things helped you in recovery um my daughter was uh, uh, was 12 years old that time and uh, she was a great motivation for me to carry on in life and uh, what else people i firmly believe that family is a huge huge support you can't do without them but my notion is also that until unless you choose to help yourself family also can't do much yeah so are you have to because uh, you know that saying in english that only the wearer knows where the shoe pinches mm-hmm. so what my body goes through only i can feel not my husband not my daughter not my well wishers yeah. so i have to make that choice that i won't give in so that's what my attitude has been that every time a new complication comes up i take it in my stride but i am very aware of my body very aware of anything out of place that happens to my body because uh, i i just keep one thing in mind that i will never never be reach a stage when i become dependent on others so never ever so that's why i'm very aware and i think for all patients and everyone across why only patients you have to make yourself you have to love yourself first when you love yourself the love of people around you automatically happens so i mentally i am strong so that has helped my my husband my daughter my mom my brother sister my dad when he was alive they been my dog <laughs> so yeah they they are a huge support to me but uh, Uh, i i would say it's 50 50% 50% they uh, support and 50% you've got to support yourself yeah because at tata also doctors believe that 
if you are positive if your body has positive vibes it helps in controlling the disease mm-hmm. right so that's uh, how i have dealt with it mm-hmm. and also um, secondly that's uh, the you know another thing which i actually picked up during my journey is to never complain yeah uh, most of us complain about little things and uh, i i feel that instead of complaining if i should start if i i started counting my blessings so mm-hmm. when i count my blessings then i feel oh life is worth it so you know something like voice so what if i you know damaged i've got my voice is damaged i can speak yeah, yeah. something like right. that right right so i have take chosen to take out the positives at times it's very difficult the body does hurt a lot i have these uncontrollable bone pains but theek hai can't do much because doctors don't have an answer to it Yes. and i have an answer to it i i take a pill and i move on ahead in life i get so many blessings to come on then giving about the small things <laughs> right uh, absolutely and you know honestly when i go to tmh and i see little babies young children going through the disease i feel i'm i am so much better off so i've uh, i've learned to count my blessings that's helped me uh, deal with this with my struggles wow that's so nice to hear uh, very touching uh, very touching and I'm, i have visited tmh many times and you see the condition and you feel like whatever things you have in your life you are blessed with that so count your blessings appreciate every little thing you have so wow absolutely so, um, when you were going through the journey is there any other or after the journey as well any other lifestyle changes or anything which you uh, inculcate in your uh, life in your daily routine lifestyle i'm sorry i lost you uh, uh, during, uh, during the journey and after the journey uh, did you uh, start new practices or any new lifestyle changes which you uh, made in your uh, daily schedule yeah i did uh, i've always been physically very active i mean i was never um uh, towards the obese side or never wrong uh, eating habits or poor nutrition i think that actually helped this is my message to everyone yeah. irrespective of uh, any disease that you get please take care of your bodies i have always uh, this is a uh, this is what my mom says ever since i was a small child i've been very particular about the food that i eat so i think that's helped me a lot in dealing with the complications that have come my way mm-hmm. and even now i'm very careful about my diet i yeah. eat everything but everything in moderation mm-hmm. and uh, i exercise i walk every day without fail it's very rare that i don't walk i do yoga i do uh, uh, like a power yoga i cannot do cardio because of my uncontrolled asthma but i'm able to do most of the yoga difficult yoga poses i do that <laughs> and uh, i actually just try to remain uh, mentally happy because i i feel um, if you're if this compartment is happy then yeah. you can control so many things yes very well uh, right say rightly say you know uh, patients who are going through the treatment uh, they give at times most of the you know uh, more importance to the medical treatment and very less on what they can do in the process of recovery 
they can do yoga they can take any physical activity be it cycling or running or jogging or walking uh, they can eat healthy food and they can say diet with right nutrition good nutrition and of course mindfulness comes um, with this so maybe meditation or breathing or anything which you can do so uh, i wanted to hear from you and thank you for sharing that these all things help you as well in your recovery oh yes they play a very important role i think mindfulness and also uh, i um, exercise uh, to have a healthy body is very important to deal with things because uh, you know one has to realize that after going a treatment as rigorous as this uh, there are permanent side effects so what i was before my treatment i will never be that and as the body ages the aging process is going to you know cause the normal wear and tear and plus the damages that have already happened so that i no one can take away so to deal with them one has to uh, first of all acceptance mm-hmm. acceptance of what has happened is very important and also uh, it's okay if you can't do what the others can do but there is a lot that you can do what the others cannot do right <laughs> so i do i have just followed that i am never in competition with others i know the limitations of in my body of my body and honestly i have uh, the body talks to us yeah it talks to us so for each one of us even a person who is healthy should listen to the body when it talks to them and adapt accordingly yeah right 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 can you please share about your perspective towards caregivers because uh, they are the one who are going a lot along with the patient in this journey so how important it is to take care of uh, caregivers and any tips which might help caregivers sure uh, i feel the, when cancer is diagnosed it's not a diagnosis just for the patient it is a diagnosis for the entire family patient uh, suffers physically and mentally whereas the caregivers suffer mentally immensely yeah. in addition to the fear uh, of what's going to happen to their loved one there are issues of finances to be dealt with the treatment is extremely expensive cancer treatment is very expensive i mean you go anywhere even for a um, underprivileged it is a huge huge uh, financial burden yeah. so mm, it is very important that caregivers be given a lot of counseling i do that in my sessions at tata i do talk to the patient but i pay a lot of uh, i spend a lot of time with caregivers yeah. because they are like this silently face the trauma mentally yeah and they can't express it because they are supposed to stay strong for their patient so it takes a big toll on their mental health so my uh, i feel that uh, in, in by supporting the caregivers i am indirectly indirectly supporting the patient patients because yeah. uh, a, a positive caregiver will give out positive vibes to the patient right right uh, caregiver stress their behavior their uh, attitude and mindset directly impacts patients and uh, studies say that caregivers are in more stress 
compared to the patient when they are going through the journey because they have to take care of so many other things as well. Absolutely. So, you know, at times they just at loss because in uh, so many of them at times they leave their jobs also yeah. because they right. no one to take care of their patient, their, yeah. their loved one. Yes. So it's a huge stress on them, huge stress on them. Yeah. And and also the fear that we will lose them. For the patient, it's mm-hmm. a different kind of a fear. But, you know, the fear that, oh, what if I lose my loved one? Right. It is very scary. So yeah. they, I think they need a lot of emotional support. Even when I was the caregiver, uh, I had to take care of so many things about, you know, doctor's appointments and what scans to do next. And if one... One thing is not working. What other options we can go for? What are complementary treatment we can try with this? Looking for the right nutritionist or maybe a yoga master or maybe, you know, yeah. arranging some medicine from some part of India. Maybe at times. Absolutely. Uh, so many others you have to keep you know, updating your relatives and friends and everybody. How is he doing? And then uh, uh, raising funds for the treatments and other tasks all together. So, so many different things. And uh, even the caregivers, who have gone through the journey, they get diagnosed with other illnesses because of the stress. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, because the, all the attention goes to the patient. So they are not able to take care of themselves. They are not able to sleep or eat well because the priority is patient. But they don't understand that in order mm-hmm. to take care of the patient, you need to be in good health first. True. Absolutely true. Because a lot of times I've seen caregivers slipping into depression. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So uh, I think caregiver support is also very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Vandana, every uh, every crisis or, you know, a downturn in the life, it teaches us beautiful lessons. So what has been your lesson from this journey which you would like to share? Uh, my lesson? Okay. I have I've picked up three lessons in my life. So first is my motto. My motto is impossible is for those who don't believe in themselves. Uh, I will, I've been told not to do anything strenuous, but in December, I ran five kilometers of Pinkerton. And uh, I feel it's a lot to do with your mental state. My second life lesson that I've picked up is uh, don't let your thoughts control you. You control your thoughts. That plays a huge role in your uh, life journey and the third and most important is from a book which is one of my favorite reads it's called the last lecture by randy posh he yeah. was a he was a computer uh, he was a computer professor in the united states and he lost his battle to uh, a very aggressive cancer so in his book he writes uh, you can't uh, change the cards that you are dealt with only the hand that you play yeah. So, so this really resonates with me a lot that, you know, just like a deck of cards, when somebody is distributing the cards, you don't know what cards are going to come your way. You can, the only thing that's in your control is how well you play those cards. Mm-hmm. So that is my, uh, uh, you know, this is what I've learned and with my struggles from uh, with the, the disease and the complications that came in. Wow, very, uh, very well said, very well summarized. I would say thank you for sharing that. And what would be your message to other uh, cancer patients who are still crippling uh, with this disease and are lost in their own this new world of cancer when either they are newly diagnosed or maybe their end of life where they just don't know now what to do? So, what would be your message to uh, those patients and caregivers? 
For the ones who are newly diagnosed, please remember cancer is curable. Even in advanced stages, it is curable till the doctor says we can't cure you. So please don't give up hope. There are so many kinds of medicines that are available. Do not be scared of cancer. Second that I want to say is do not do not associate the stigma of uh, cancer in your life. Cancer is not a stigma. It's like any disease that can happen to anyone. And um, thirdly is never give up. There is always hope. I have seen personally at Tata Memorial, doctors have said that we give you a couple of months to live and it's been 10 years. The patient is still continuing. Wow. So don't, don't give up because I myself, I've got in addition to, you know, die, nearly dying once post my cancer surgery, I've had near-death experiences including the crash and, um, and uh, another one. I believe till your time is up, no one can take you away. Be it cancer, be it a car crash, be it any other complication. So cancer doesn't mean it's a death sentence. And for the ones who are in their final stages in, of their lives, my, uh, my advice is that uh, our life journeys are all <clears throat> fixed. Some have a longer life journey. Some have a smaller life journey. We can't control it. So what we have is make the most of it. Each one of us has to die someday. Some die early, some die late. Yeah. But uh, the moments that are still with you, do not uh, let them go by indulging in self-pity or feeling sorry for yourself. That's uh, my uh, you know, take on life. Wow. Thank you for sharing those deep and meaningful experiences and wisdom of your life, your journey. Very, uh, very touching, very uh, insightful and thoughtful. Also, uh, you mentioned uh, cope with cancer and mother trust. So, would like to hear more from you. How do you help cancer patients with cope with cancer? Uh, and if any patients who need help, we can definitely guide them to you. So, please uh, share that. Definitely. Cope with Cancer is one of the most genuine NGOs that I, I know. Uh, I was very particular about being, uh, uh, about associating with an NGO because, uh, you know, generally what happens is an NGO is associated with a lot of things in addition to cancer care. But this NGO is dedicated totally to cancer care. We are a <coughs> very small set of uh, individual, uh, of volunteers. It is... Uh, it was started by, by Dr. Anand Parihar. Uh, Dr. Anand Parihar lost his wife, Dr. Mandakini Parihar, to cancer. And uh, that's how, uh, you know, the uh, NGO came into being. Um, we are all volunteers. Uh, we have a CEO, Dr. Ur uh, Mrs. Urvija Sangvi, and then we have a few more core members. We all work pro bono. Uh, all the ch charity that we get, all the donations that we get, uh, I'm not too sure of the figures, but about 99% of the money that we get in donation goes for cancer care, wow. goes to patients. Uh, none of us take any salary, nor even for transportation. <coughs> uh, 
we are uh, providing free wigs to cancer patients all across india okay we don't, we don't charge a single penny anyone can write to us and we will courier without them the wig without uh, asking for money for the courier okay. uh, a lot of people are donating their hair to us all across the country uh, <clears throat> we provide financial aid aid to underprivileged and financially challenged patients at uh, tata memorial cancer hospital we are also aiding in surgery of patients outside of tata we are aiding patient cancer patients uh, in general hospitals all over mumbai we have started funding for a very expensive medicine which is needed by lung cancer patients you started it's the medicine is costing 88000 rupees per month so we started part funding for that as well okay uh, and uh, and yeah that's and you know our, everything all our resources Mm-hmm. are dedicated towards uh, cancer patients amazing amazing uh, the way uh, you all are uh, supporting cancer patients and i was uh, with kishan once at tata memorial and i met a doctor uh, uh, i don't remember the name i have his card from uh, cope with cancer he was uh, at the that department the social service department the tall uh, doctor uh, so we just dr anand parihar yes 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 yeah So we had a conversation with him, and he shared about COVID cancer exchange cards, and then Corona happened. So, uh, so glad to hear from you the amazing work which COVID cancer you and everybody is doing, and uh, I'm I'm very uh, honored to have this conversation with you, which will inspire many others, the others who are going through the journey. Any one uh, one line of wisdom you would like to share with all of us? You only get one chance to live. make the most of it <laughs> very well very true um, you get to live only once is what i say and you said it so absolutely uh, absolutely pleasure to have this conversation with you around cancer and uh, what i see i take from your journey is courage and take decision take control of your own health and never give up just never give up cancer ki to aisi ki taisi bilkul iski पोएम लिखी मैंने कैंसर की ऐसी की तैसी ही की है अच्छा all organizations institutes companies working in this field to help cancer patients because we all know that uh, how you know the importance of early detection like you could detect it early while applying the moisturizer many people are not able to and when it reaches last stage third stage fourth stage how difficult it is to cure so it's important yeah. to do early diagnosis is important to do right things after the diagnosis as well and uh, and that's what we are also trying to do at levels cancer in zenoncolo.io helping patients with integrative oncology which is nothing but how can we find a combination between medical treatment and complementary therapies so that we can manage the side effects better we can improve the quality of life and extend life for uh, patients so pleasure to know that uh, about your journey and the cope with cancer journey as well 
Can I, I just want to add, like you said, early detection. Uh, I just want to add one line here that most of us uh, refuse to believe that it can happen to us. That is why the detection is so late. So that is why we keep uh, ignoring the signals our body is giving out. Uh, it, cancer has become so common these days. Yeah. So uh, something which is not being diagnosed or something that stinks for too long in your body should immediately be paid heed to. Because that's how this disease comes in. Yeah. So it's very important to believe that yes, it can happen to me and I will be aware. Yeah, right, right. So there are many detection, uh, early detection techniques available out there. You, we can, you know, uh, learn from that. In fact, yesterday I got a call from Bihar that uh, a girl from uh, Bihar, she's a married woman and she had breast lump, but she ignored it because of the taboo and she was feeling shy to share with the family members. Okay. It uh, spread and then now it's a late sports stage with uh, tumors in lungs, liver and many other places. So, but she knew it already, but yet she ignored it because of the taboo around it. So we need to see more about it. We need to yeah, yeah. Like yourself. In fact, uh, in fact, we I in COVID uh, COVID cancer uh, in October launched a video in which I am I'm, I'm featured. In uh, we've taught it's a video where we are talking about breast self examination. Yeah. Okay. So the name of the campaign is called Shoot It Campaign. So we, we uh, the video features me, it's been shot on me since I work with breast cancer patients. So in that, we've talked, uh, spoken about how breast cancer can be detected uh, visually and physically both. It is so simple. Breast cancer can be detected at the right times without too much of fuss. So like you said, if only we can raise this awareness, yeah. you know, make it reach that stage where, you know, even in villages, every woman knows yeah. cervical and breast cancer can be detected on time because, you know, it is something that is outside of your body. It gives out symptoms, yeah. unlike other cancers that are growing inside yeah. our body. Colon cancer and all, right. Very true. So, it's, it can be detected early and it is very much curable as well. So, it just we need to spread Absolutely. more. I, I actually feel 90% of the time cancers can be cured it's only 10 percent and that's also maybe you know their journey is meant to end that is why it can't be cured but 90 yeah. percent of the cancers if detected on time will definitely be cured true so wow yeah. your, uh, people will feel uh, motivated and they'll feel hopeful after listening to you it's curable the way you started this conversation very on a very positive note so Thank you so much, Vandana, for being with us today and sharing your uh, life journey with us, full of wisdom, full of experiences and uh, learnings. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and thank you for inviting me for this. Take care. We'll connect again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes.